0: Jesus' teaching and action in the gospel lesson are directed to the church whenever it is seduced by the world's definition of greatness, prestige, power, influence, and money. The antidote to such a concern for greatness is servanthood. Please rise. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark in the ninth chapter. Jesus and the disciples went on from there, the Decapolis, and passed through Galilee. who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. So how many of you have ever been a server? (laughs) Okay. Like a waiter or waitress or have any of you ever been uh, like a personal assistant to somebody? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, to your your grandpa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, or maybe uh, maybe if you were in the military and you were an officer's aide, general's aide or commander's aide or something like that. It's all the same kind of thing in w- when you're in that kind of a position because your job is to take care of the needs of the person you're an aide to. Okay, It's to serve them and to make sure that whatever they need is provided for them, that it's taken care of, and... If you're smart, the best way to do that job is to just keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, and do it, right? That's true of just about anything. But especially if you're a personal aid to one individual, you just if you're smart, you, keep, you, you just do what you're supposed to do. You just keep your head down and just get through it and do whatever. And sometimes you have to bite your tongue, you know, or whatever. But if you're smart, that's what you do. James had something to say in in the lesson today about uh, being smart or about wisdom. Okay? In my, my translation, reads it this way. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you're smart, and that kind of smartness is wisdom, and James is talking about the humility that comes from it. The humility that comes from wisdom is that kind of thing I was talking about, just keeping your head down, keeping your mouth shut, and doing what you need to do. It's it's being unassuming, knowing what your responsibilities are, and just carrying them out. That's what he's talking about, the wisdom that comes from, or the humility that comes out of wisdom. And you can tell if a person has that by the things that they do. Now, we've all done a lot of stupid things in our youth. (laughs) Okay? But with age comes what? Wisdom. And there are probably times, I know there are in my life, that I wish I would have kept my head down (laughs) and just shut up. But I didn't. It takes us a while to learn that. And that's where the wisdom comes from. It seems to take guys a lot longer to learn that than girls most of the time, uh, at least from my experience and my boys. But... We learn as we go along, and the wisdom brings smarts. And smarts is the kind of the way we live our lives and the way we act and and doing what we're supposed to and knowing when to talk and when not to and when to keep our heads down and just do what we're supposed to do. But James also talks about the wisdom (coughs) that comes from heaven and what that looks like. And in some ways, it's not a whole lot different. He said, the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, is pure. And then, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. That sounds a lot like somebody who is unassuming, who's humble, who's caring, and loving, and, and considering the needs of other people. And what James is saying is that's the wisdom that comes from heaven. And that's what we gain as we grow in our relationship with God and as we get closer to God. And the closer we get to God and the stronger that relationship is, then the more our lives look like that, that kind of wisdom. But there's another kind of wisdom that James talks about, too, and he calls it earthly wisdom. And that kind of wisdom is based on self-interest. It's based on somebody thinking, and, and our whole society points us in this direction, on you need to take care of yourself first. Don't let yourself get taken advantage of. Don't let yourself get trampled on. Take care of yourself first, and then when you do that, you'll be able to take care of other people. That even That's even part of the instructions on an airplane. Okay, if the oxygen masks fall down and you have a child, put yours on first and then help them. Well, that makes sense, and I understand that. But when our whole lives become that way, and we, when it becomes about self-interest, Take care of yourself first, and then you can help other people. James says that's earthly wisdom. And when we put self-interest first, when that becomes the first thing that we want to take care of, what do you have? What's the result of that? He says you've got disorder. <clears throat> you have envy. People start to become competitive. And I've got to take care of my needs but that means I might have to forget something else for a little while, and then people start to you know to compete with one another, and you start to have things break down and you start to have disorder and you start to have things not going very well and it It starts to not look a whole lot like James described that wisdom that comes from heaven and The sad thing is, and it was alluded to in the introductory paragraph today too that churches do the same thing. Congregations do that. And it's a shame. What happens when, a, when congregations start to think, you know, Jeepers, what can we do to kind of make a name for ourselves so that people will notice us, so they'll think about us? And then some churches will talk about, well, you know, we have these huge big building programs and look what we're able to do. Or we're the largest church in the community of our denomination, or we're first something church. You know, and, and, and there can start to be, although it's never stated, some envy, a little jealousy, a little competition starts to develop in the church. And what happens when that, what happens to the ministry of God in a community <clears throat> when that's happening, when the churches start to compete? And when the envy starts to come in, what James says is that there's disorder and every evil practice, the wrong motivations. In fact, James says that that earthly kind of wisdom that affects our lives and maybe even the churches, he calls it unspiritual and even demonic is what he calls that. Well, Jesus had a little experience with that, too, with his disciples. Remember, he's on his way back from the Decapolis. That's where he was in those Greek cities across the, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee last week in our lesson when he drove the, the spirit out of that man's son. And then they were headed back into Galilee. And on the way, the disciples were arguing about some stuff. And Jesus said, what are you arguing about? And, he, and they didn't say anything because they were arguing about who was the greatest. Now, can you imagine how that conversation was going? Well, you know, I, I think this is what we ought to do. I'm really pretty good at doing this, and maybe we ought to focus some of our attention on that. And somebody else can say, Yeah, well, I mean, that's all well and good, but don't you think this is more important? This is what I'd like to do. And, and, and then, you know, the finger pointing goes out are you know, like kids. And, and so you've got what? Competition, envy. Jealous, Jealousy, the kind of stuff that leads to disorder and dissension in the ranks. And that's what was going on, and they didn't want to say anything because they knew Jesus wouldn't like that. And so they didn't answer the question. Well, then Jesus took that as the opportunity to say that whoever wants to be the greatest must be the least, must be the servant of all. And so to give an example of that, he took a little child and took the child up in his arms. Now, I remember, children in that society were to be seen and not heard. They were not full parts of society. They were uh, essentially insignificant and had no say in anything. Okay? They were just there. It wasn't until they reached what they call the age of maturity or whatever that they became worth something. So he takes one of those little children in his arms, and he said, whoever welcomes a child like this welcomes me. And that child represents what is weak and insignificant and oppressed and ignored and marginalized. That's what that child represents. And Jesus takes takes the child in his arms. And he says, when you welcome a child, when you welcome someone and put your arms around someone who is helpless and insignificant and weak and marginalized and oppressed and seemingly not worth much, when you do that, you're welcoming me. Whoever wants to be greatest should be least. The servant. Of all. And prior to that question that Jesus asked the disciples, he was teaching them, and he said this He said, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. <clears throat> Jesus knew that being the servant of all was a little bit inconvenient. Think of the inconvenience for Jesus, who was sitting on the throne of heaven with all the glory and majesty and the magnificence of of what that must be like. And he set it aside to come down here to allow himself to be bound by time and space, to become part of what he had created, to become one of his creatures, and to suffer all the indignities that go along with that from the perspective of being God, and then to have to suffer and die at the hands of his creation, it's a little inconvenient. It's a sacrifice. It's a cost for him to come and be a servant. But it was because he wanted to take you into his arms, you who were weak and oppressed and unable to do anything about your situation and basically... Insignificant, but to take you and to love you and to show you that you're worth something to Him because of the sacrifice He's willing to make for you. <clears throat> for us to follow that example is sometimes inconvenient. And it, there's a cost, there's a sacrifice involved in it, and it may be time and energy when it's the least convenient. It may mean you have to do some things that are outside your comfort zone or put yourself in situations you're not comfortable with. It may even mean, God forbid, having to give up a little money. There's a cost to being a servant. But Jesus is not asking anything of us that he hasn't already done himself and that he's done for us. And all he wants is for us to do that same thing for other people. When you think about about Jesus' ministry and what James said about the wisdom that comes from heaven, which is what Jesus brought with him, think about his life and think about these actions.